Well, if you've been around uh, this summer, you know we are in the midst of our sermon series, of our teaching series, Ten to Life, looking at the Ten Commandments, well-trod ground, but we've been investigating specifically not just what the Ten Commandments tell us about what we're supposed to be doing, but what they teach us about who God is and what his character is. And so today we're on a fairly straightforward uh, idea, the idea of uh, stealing. And um, as we've been doing uh, the last uh, several weeks together, we start with the Hebrew, just so you're reminded that um, I can look up Hebrew in, 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 on my computer because that I, I feel like that uh, is supposed to be what pastors do. And so I've done that for this text. And so here is the Hebrew word for you. Are you ready? Ganav. It's literally the word uh, steal. And so the commandment is don't ganav, don't steal. That's the Hebrew today. The last time I'll mention Hebrew until next week. And then when this sermon series is over, no more Hebrew ever again. Okay? Yeah, I know. Um, Ganav. Ganav. Don't uh, steal. And so maybe before we look at uh, what this passage teaches about who God is, it's helpful to get a little bit better understanding of what the Bible means or what this commandment means when it tells us not to steal, not to ganav. And to do that, we have to look at other places in the Old Testament where this word is used. And so Exodus chapter 22 and verse 1 is one of those places where ganav is used. Exodus 22, verse 1, which says, Whoever steals an ox or sheep and slaughters it or sells it must pay back five head of cattle for the ox and four for the sheep. So here we have clearly the articulation of some kind of property uh, being uh, taken. Ganav, a sheep or a, a, a piece of cattle. If that's stolen, this property is stolen, then you are to return in, in excess if you've stolen and you're caught. Uh, Ganav is also used in Malachi chapter 3, talking about uh, the concept of tithing. Will you, a mere mortal, rob God? Yet you rob me, but you ask how? How are we robbing you? How are, how are we stealing from you? How are we ganaving from you in your tithes and, and offerings? You are under a whole curse, your whole nation, because you are stealing from me. And so we see in both of these cases, stealing relating to uh, the property or financial resources or means that a person has, and that stealing is related to uh, taking away those or not returning those, not giving those. Uh, but there's, there's more. In Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 13, we read this about the concept of stealing. Uh, don't defraud or rob your neighbor and don't hold back the wages of a hired worker overnight that uh, you can steal by not giving something that you're supposed to give if you have an agreement with someone and so it's not just about taking away it's also about not uh, giving something that you've uh, agreed to give that this is uh, stealing but then more interestingly we find in uh, exodus chapter 21 this definition of uh, stealing. In Exodus chapter 21 and verse 16, it says this, anyone who robs, who steals, who ganaves someone else 
is to be put to death. Anyone, and the, the Gadav here is translated as kidnapped. Anyone who kidnaps someone is to be put to death, whether the victim has been sold or is still in the kidnapper's possession. And uh, we read again in Deuteronomy chapter 24 and verse uh, uh, 7, again trying to get at this definition of, of stealing in the commandment. Deuteronomy chapter 24 and verse 7 is, If someone is caught kidnapping a fellow Israelite and treating or selling them as a slave, the kidnapper must die. You must purge the evil from among you. Now, I find these last texts in particular interesting uh, for a number of reasons. One, though, is that our Western minds usually interpret uh, stealing as relating to objects or possessions or materials. And so the idea that stealing is not just about stealing a possession or stealing financial resources or stealing something that someone owns, it can also be about stealing the liberty, the freedom of someone else. And it's important to note here that the, uh, that, that the response to stealing a possession or object was to, to return um, exponentially what was stolen if you're caught. But when it came to stealing the liberty or the freedom of a person, the, 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 the kidnapper, their life was to be taken, that this was ser- serious. So it's one thing if you take someone's possession. It's another thing if you take someone's freedom. If you take someone's freedom, a concept that has relevance for us, especially after the week in which uh, we've all been through. Now, we said that the commandment we're looking at what the commandment has to teach us about who God is, and I would suggest to you that there are a couple of things that we can learn about who God is from this simple commandment, don't steal. The first thing, incredibly simple, God is fair. God is fair. If someone comes to possess something in an ethical way, that shouldn't just be taken away from them. Someone comes to possess something it shouldn't just be taken away from them. Um, now, of course, God presents that every good thing ultimately comes from uh, him. And so if he has uh, allowed a person to be in possession of something, that that is to be respected. And that God wants us to treat each other with a fairness. That we're designed to live in community with each other and to live in community with each other. In healthy community, we have to have uh, boundaries. And one of these boundaries is that you just can't take something from someone else uh, just because you, you want to. And so God treats us with fairness, and he wants us and desires us to, to treat each other with that same fairness. And so it's not survival of the, of the of fittest for us. It's not whoever's strongest gets to take whatever they want, that there is an ethical boundary that God has established, and that is you don't take what is not yours. And so for God, stealing is about justice and about fairness, and you don't take from someone else what is theirs. And so this is an important principle of, of God, that God is fair, God is just, and he wants us to treat each other with fairness and justice as well. But we also learn about God's character from this simple commandment, that God is indeed concerned with human liberty, that God is concerned with human liberty. Taking one's freedom is a more violent crime than taking someone's possession. 
Taking someone's possession is not good. It's not fair. It's not just. And there should be retribution for that. And God sets up the standards for that retribution that, that, that it should be made up for exponentially. We remember stories like the, the, uh, the story of uh, Zacchaeus in the New, New Testament where Jesus goes to meet this tax collector. And it's implied that as tax collectors, uh, that they were skimming some off the, off the top. And then when, when Zacchaeus comes to to uh, repentance, the first thing he says is he's going to return exponentially because he knows what the Bible says about stealing possessions, that when you steal a possession, you make up for it by exponentially returning what you have stolen. But when it comes to stealing a person's human liberty, stealing their, their, their freedom, that required death. And so God is intimately, immensely concerned with human liberty. Now, of course, as we've mentioned, uh, this is relevant in a particular way uh, this week, a week in which we've seen some really horrific things, if not seen in, in person. We've seen on our, our in YouTube or television screens, or we've read about all that happened in Charlottesville uh, last week. I mean, we were here worshiping together on Saturday afternoon, but in Charlottesville, Literally, hell was breaking loose down there. You know the story. I don't need to tell you it. All over these, uh, these Confederate symbols, this, these uh, statues, and in particular, statue of Robert E. Lee in Charlottesville. Uh, now, whatever these statues symbolize to those who were marching, for many of us, those Confederate statues represent something far, far uh, worse the, they represent the loss of freedom, the loss of, of liberty for hundreds of thousands of, of slaves who were brought to this country against their will, whose liberty, liberty, liberty was literally stolen uh, from them. Uh, I, I mean, a lot has been read, a lot has been said this week about what happened in Charlottesville. I appreciated, though, particularly the argument of the, the General Stonewall Jackson. Uh, maybe you read what his great, great grandsons uh, wrote about the issue, and they were for taking down the statue of Stonewall Jackson in Richmond. They said, while we are not ashamed of our great-great-grandfather, we are ashamed to, to benefit from white supremacy while our black family and friends suffered. Uh, we are ashamed of the monument, and so they were calling them for the monument to come down because they represent that these statues, uh, for many, if not most of us, represent the loss of freedom for hundreds of thousands of people. Now, I want to confess something to you. My great-great-grandfather also served in the Civil War. Can you guess what side he served on? Thank you for saying the North. He did not serve on the North side. He served on the South. My great-great-grandfather served for the Confederate Army in the Civil War. Now, this is on my mother's side. My mother is from... Virginia originally, although she grew up in Washington, D.C. I remember going down to Charlottesville, Virginia, same, same place where all of this craziness happened, and visiting the house in which my great-great-grandfather's leg hung in the attic because his leg was, was amputated in the Civil War as he was uh, far, fighting for the South. So, I mean, that's a long time ago. Uh, but the reality is what the grandkids, great-great-grandkids of Stonewall Jackson said is absolutely true, and I resonate very clearly with that. Look, 
you know, people in Charlottesville or whoever these crazy people are marching, you, your argument is what it is, but for most of us, these symbols of the Confederacy uh, symbolize a terrible time in American history. And for some of us, in a very particular way, a very evil, evil experience, maybe for your own uh, family members. And so this idea that God cares so much about human liberty has resonance for us today as we're thinking about what's going on in this country. And it seems like we're still wrestling with issues over human liberty and the fact that human liberty for many people was taken away and removed. And so I'm thankful for the great-great-grandson of Stonewall Jackson and as a descendant of someone who fought for the South. I don't know that much about my, uh, my great-great-grandfather, um, but I'm sad and sorry for what he apparently uh, stood for, whether I don't even know how intentional he was. He was a foot soldier in the Civil War, but I am sorry that uh, that is part of my history. And I'm thankful for those who are standing up for what is right. I'm actually incredibly thankful for former Advent Hoper. I shouldn't say former, because at Advent Hoper, you feel like you're never a former Advent Hoper. You're always an Advent Hoper. So Advent Hoper Daniel Shiso, who is the pastor of the, now of the Charlottesville Seventh-day Adventist Church and who boldly stood up for what is, is right this weekend. And his, his uh, uh, statement you can... I'm sure fine if you, you Google Daniel C. She's still in Charlottesville Church, and it's my understanding that they're marching today along with the, uh, I'm sad to say this, the African-American church in Charlottesville because apparently they're two different congregations. I mean, this is how it is. That's why when we started today, we said, look, look around you. I mean, Advent Hope is a beautiful thing, and it's unfortunately a far too uh, unique thing. The fact that we have every nation, language, kindred, and tongue Gathering together here on a Sabbath morning is, is beautiful, but it's far too rare. So I was excited to hear that Daniel and the sister churches there are marching today in Charlottesville for what is right. God cares about human liberty. God cares about human freedom. And maybe this is most exemplified in his own way in, of dealing with us as, as humans. The, the great principle of free will. That God has established free will. God has given each and every human being the opportunity to choose for him. That we're not just uh, robots. That God is wanting a relationship with us and he gives us the choice to choose against that relationship. And again, this just solidifies the idea that God cares about liberty. God cares about human uh, freedom. And when that's taken away, he takes that incredibly seriously. Because not even he would take away freedom and liberty from you and I. And that's encouraging. So we learn from the commandment that God is fair, God is concerned with human liberty, so much so that he is willing to, he himself is willing to treat us with, uh, with that liberty and give us a free will. With that said, and we think about our own experience, uh, maybe it's helpful to just consider for a minute why anyone would steal in the first place. I mean, why do people uh, steal? Now, there are many answers to this uh, question. Some are pathological. Uh, some aren't. I'm going to assert three. These are certainly not all of them. They may not even be the most profound three, but here they are. Why do people steal? First of all, simply 
uh, we want something that we don't have and maybe don't have the means to or availability to get it. So you see something that you want and uh, you don't have it or you don't have the means to get it and so you, opportunity arises and you take it for yourself as simple as that. I mean, that's why people steal. They want something and they take it. That's one of the reasons why people steal. You want something that you don't have, you feel that you need, and so you take it for yourself. Secondly, uh, we feel like we have the right to something uh, because we maybe we've been uh, wronged in some way or we feel like there's unfairness in our circumstances or the situation and so there's kind of an entitlement to, to take something. I mean, the world isn't uh, fair. You know, the government, secret here, little secret, the government wastes money sometimes. Did you know that? Who knew? Shocking, Right? I mean, I love those, you, you get those reports where the, you know, some uh, accounting firm goes in, I think McKinsey went in and they did an evaluation of the, uh, of the military four or five years ago and they found like so much waste and, it, you know, it was all, the, the Congress had to say, don't, don't show anybody this because then they'll be really upset. The government wastes your money, um, the, the corporation you might work for, maybe they treat you unfairly, they ask more than what you feel like you should be giving, you know, you signed up thinking you were going to work 40 hours a week and you're working 70 hours a week and, uh, and then you feel like you don't get paid enough. And so these things contribute to our, our desire for justice in the world and so sometimes that can lead to uh, taking things that, uh, that aren't ours. I love this. Our own Columbia University, just a, just a few blocks away, there was an epidemic of Nutella stealing in 2014. So the university uh, introduced Nutella to the, to the dining halls. You know that, that lovely treat, chocolate, is it hazelnut? I mean, who came up with that? But it's so delicious. Well, apparently that's what the students thought. So much so that Nutella was paying $5,000 a week on Nutella. It's $250,000 a year. So what happened is students some who are not receiving scholarships are paying, you know, upwards of $50,000 a year to attend the fine Ivy League institution of Columbia University. And I guess they get... Now, Rebecca, you were over there. Did you... I'm not going to ask. I almost did. About Nutella. This was during your, your, your time there. Did you know of a Nutella that this was happening? <laughs> it was her. It was all Rebecca. $5,000 a week of Nutella. Um, $250,000 a year. So anyway, you're spending $50,000 on tuition a year. Like, eh, I can take some Nutella if I want, I guess, apparently. I'm entitled to that. So these are, again, are the, are the ways in which sometimes maybe we do things uh, dishonestly. And uh, this is stealing. Um, finally, we steal because we are worried about uh, not uh, having something, maybe even something that we, we need. Proverbs 6.30 is really interesting in this context. It says this, People do not despise a thief if they steal to satisfy their hunger when they're starving. Yet, so that, that seems like enough for me. Like, yeah, I mean, somebody's starving and they steal. It's kind of understandable. I get it. But Proverbs 6.31 says, But if, if the person is caught, he must pay sevenfold, though it costs him all the wealth of his 
house. That seems a little bit drastic to me. I don't know about uh, you, but it's hard to get away from the fact that, you know, God is calling uh, people who are a part of the kingdom to live at the highest ethical level uh, possible. And sometimes that is, uh, that is disturbing. God is calling people who to be part of the kingdom to live at the highest ethical level of po- uh, possible so that there should no, be no question that God's people are a people of, of ethics. So that's a little bit challenging for me. I don't know about you. And, um, and I have to ask myself, well, if that's the case, how do, how do I guard myself against the uh, temptation to not take things that I don't uh, already have because I want them or uh, to, to not uh, uh, act with retribution against unfair systems, whether it's withholding my you know, with my taxes or skimping on my taxes or taking from the corporation that I uh, work for or what other ways that uh, might, might uh, wrong, so, wrong so-called wrongs against, or right so-called wrongs against me. How do, how do I live at this high uh, ethical standard? Well, uh, the good news is, in answer and response to that question, is that uh, we... Uh, have someone who has already lived at that high standard on our behalf. Uh, John chapter 3, verse 16, that most famous passage in all of the Bible says this, God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The narrative of the Bible tells us that while we may be inclined to to withhold or not give that what we should or maybe even take things that we don't deserve that God has no such inclination that when God sent Jesus his one and only son he was giving it all he was willing to go the full distance he wasn't going to withhold he wasn't going to hold back that he was willing to do what sometimes we're and, and often we're not willing to do to give to give everything for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And so while I'm, we're called to live as part of people of the kingdom of God to a high ethical standard, God has already lived to a high standard, a standard that we will never live up to. We said that uh, sometimes we steal because we want or feel like we need something that we don't have. In Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5, we read this. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. It's good advice, hard to follow, but then it follows because God has said, never will I leave you or never will I forsake you. You see what God is getting at here? Like stealing isn't just about taking what you want. It's a, it's a, it's, it's a, a, a declining the reality that God will provide for our real needs. We steal because we want something that we don't have. But God said, look, don't worry. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. If you're in a situation where you don't have uh, what you feel like you want, God is going to take care of you. And so keep your lives free and be content with what you have because God is going to ultimately take care of you. We said that we, we steal because we feel like we have the right to something that, or that we have been wronged. And then we read in Romans chapter 12 and verse 17 this, don't repay anyone 
evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone because God is going to take care of things. He is the one who will rectify the wrongs. We don't have to take care of those wrong, those things that have been wronged against us. God is going to work and make all things right. We said that people uh, steal because we are worried about not having something, and yet we read Jesus' own words in Matthew chapter 6 where he says this, and this is verse 25, Matthew 6, 25. I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or about your body, what you'll wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? You're more valuable than the pigeons. Look at the pigeons. We have the fattest pigeons in the world in New York. They're taken care of. God can take care of the pigeons. He can take care of you. Can any one of you by worrying a single hour add, can, can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? Why do you worry about your clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you, little, you of little faith? Don't worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after all of these things, and your heavenly Father knows exactly what you need. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. The promise of the God who is willing to give it, to all, give it all to us, to provide for our needs, is that we don't, we don't need to a worry. We certainly don't need to steal. We don't need to take from other people or take from things that we shouldn't because God is going to provide for our needs and God has provided for our needs. And as we embrace a relationship with this God and as we embrace the work of Jesus on our behalf, God can transform and change our lives and give us a new perspective on things and help us not to worry. Listen, I know some of you worry today. Some of you are worried about your finances. Some of you are worried about your jobs. Some of you might even be tempted if you were in the spot to, to steal. The good news of the gospel is that God has already worked on our behalf. He's given us something that we couldn't steal and we couldn't get on our own in the work of Jesus. But he's also promised to take care of our needs here and now today. And so if you're in a spot where you're worried about your finances or your job or your apartment or whatever you're worried, take heart that there is a God who promises to take care of our needs. Don't worry. The pigeons are fat. God can take care of you. Today, God's invitation is to embrace his work on our behalf and let him do the worrying. He's faithful. Amen.